0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620.
1: And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you with us. Yes, very good to be back. Thanks to Scott Wars for filling in for me for a couple of days Let's see. The more stuff changes, the more stuff stays the same. If you follow me on Twitter, a number of new posts over the course of the last couple of days, things that just struck me in the news. But uh, the one this morning, and again, you can follow me. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. It's, it's how the cancel culture just continues to claim victims, and there's an interesting story out that the New York Times had a guy who was a science reporter, worked for them for like 45 years. His name was Don McNeil. He he was forced out. He he was. It's still kind of unclear whether he resigned or was, whether he was fired, but but he's clearly a victim of the cancel culture. He went on a, a one of these sponsored trips um, to Peru with a bunch of students and got into a discussion about issues like cultural appropriation and the use of the N-word and things like that. And because some of the students got bent out of shape at his responses mostly less of what he said but more about what what the what he was talking about in answer to some of their questions that they started complaining and ultimately the new york times decided well we can't have this we're we're going to get rid of him well he's responded now he's responded in a series of of, of written statements that that I read them all yesterday, over 20,000 words. You don't need to read them all. I mean, it's it's a hyper detail about his recollection of events. But again, you read this, and it's very, very clear that he was, again, a victim of sort of this, this out-of-control, politically correctness run amok, if his statement is true. And it really has me wondering whether in today's day and age, anybody – other than those who are the most politically correct among us and maybe even some of those are going to be able to survive a little bit later in the program we're going to be talking about the cancel culture coming for dr seuss but if you want to see how in this case that the cancel culture catches up to a a big time liberal um, you, you can read at least some of the summaries of the stories and ask yourself the question, did he deserve to get fired? All right. I was in Florida for the last couple of days. And in addition to being 80 degrees, Florida has an interesting approach on on COVID. And the approach is essentially, well, it, it's you can do what you want. Now, it, there are not statewide, at least as far as I can figure it out, there are not like statewide mask rules. There are there are federal rules. So if you go into the airport, you, you have to wear your mask in there. And of course, you have to wear your masks on the plane. Um Otherwise, it's pretty much a local thing. If you go into stores, many of the stores, for example, have mask requirements. Many of the restaurants ask you to wear your mask while you're seated. But as far as Limiting the number of people in restaurants, and, and I will say this: most of the dining we did in restaurants was outdoor. So you know, we're, we're, you're outdoor on patios, but you're you're not socially distant. You're you're together with all sorts of other people, and it's really as close to a quote unquote normal experience a, as I can. Describe. And it was sort of interesting to me because now maybe this is because I, I've had COVID and I had the antibodies and my wife had COVID. She had the antibodies and, you know, she's had her, her first shot and things like that. Maybe it's because it's just that I feel more safe, whether that's you know valid or not. But I, I was watching people live life essentially in a normal fashion. Like I said, the people that are inside. When you're inside in stores, I was wearing a mask because they asked you to wear masks, and people were. But but otherwise, I think as far as like socializing and things like that, again, largely because it, it's outdoors and it's warm, people were comfortable doing that. Now I, I bring this up against the backdrop of some of the. New cancellations that are out there. Late last week, they announced that Festa Italiana, big, you know, late July summer festival, has been canceled for the second year due to COVID 19. Port Washington's Fish Day. Again, an event that typically takes place in mid to late July, canceled for the second consecutive year. German Fest has now been canceled. Summer Fest hoping to run in September, but but who knows? State Fair is still kind of up in the air. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As more and more people get vaccinated, and more and more people are getting vaccinated, as more and more people... Get, recover from COVID and, and have the antibodies. My sense is people are feeling more comfortable about going out in public. And, and I don't know, maybe it's, maybe again, it's having had it and recovered from it. Maybe it's the fact that the vaccinations are, are there and it's going to the people that are most vulnerable. But I, I was thinking about the experience we had sitting outside in Florida and things like that. And then I'm seeing all these summer cancellations. I I really believe that if they would have gone ahead and been allowed, I'm not talking about now, again, the the big issue is, you know, will the city of Milwaukee let people come back? But as far as these outdoor gatherings, I think people are more and more comfortable about going. And, you know, just having thought about the experience I had in Florida, three or four months from now, an outdoor gathering at the lakefront, I am... I am almost positive I would feel comfortable going to that. I would feel comfortable going to State Fair. I would have felt comfortable going to German Fest or Festa Italiana or Port Washington Fish Days or certainly Summerfest in September. I think people are ready to move on. And I think as more and more people Again, get the vaccine, that's going to be more and more likely. Eight five and of course for people who aren't, who people who don't feel comfortable doing that, well you don't have to. But I think more and more people are at a point now where for whether it's church festivals or events this summer, they're ready to go back. Eight five five, six one six one six twenty, that's Acun- that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are you ready to start going back to outdoor events? Indoor events different. But outdoor events like the church festivals or the f- ethnic festivals at the lakefront, all of which have essentially been canceled, I think so far, with the exception of Irish Fest or State Fair, are you ready to go back? My answer would be, yeah, I- I'm ready to go back. And I guess maybe it's just my experience in the last few days. I think I would feel comfortable doing that. Would you? 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. We discuss in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, I'm ready to go back. No reason for any more cancellations. Um Jeff, I am not vaccinated, nor will I be, and I am beyond ready to be normal. My family has lived as normal we could this whole time. The big difference is you see a Republican state in Florida open to living life compared to our shutdown philosophy here. Jeff, I'm a 66-year-old woman. I had both my shots. I'm ready for all the summer activities I would attend. Yes, yeah, see, that's the thing that's out there. As more and more people get vaccinated, the idea that you're going to tell people you can't go out, you can't engage in particularly outdoor activities, activities. I think it's tough for people to buy into that. Um, Jeff, I will go to these events. I've already traveled and been fine. I think people will want to uh, come also, but they keep canceling everything. Even though the vaccines are available, we can wear masks. I'm fine attending gatherings like that and hope we can do that in some capacity this year. Um, Jeff, there's no reason whatsoever to cancel outdoor events in the summer. At this point, anybody who cancels summer events Are simply not following the science 855-616-1620 which is the acunate mortgage talk and text line and again for people who aren't comfortable doing this i i respect that nobody's going to hold a gun to their heads and say well you, you have to go to state fair you have to go to irish fest you have to you know go out to the lakefront but i think more and more people are ready to simply say, OK, we, we we've done it. We've we have taken the precautions that we have. We've had covid. We've recovered. We've had the vaccinations, et cetera. And now we're ready to go about living our lives. And I'm telling you, in other states, that is kind of the attitude that's there. OK, let's start with Mark in New Berlin. Hi, Mark. You're on WTMJ.
2: Oh, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Man, I can't believe how many people responded that way. My wife's a nurse, and she sees this firsthand. And I don't have to give you the gory details. It is not something to mess with. This is not something to take lightly. To go to Summerfest and see uh, Jimmy Buffett is not okay. But
1: but it. why is that taking it, it lightly? Not. Well, what 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 is taking it lightly? I mean, I how think many can't
2: you, people go to Summerfest. But, but many people but can't are, no wait. But hear me out. Can't button?
1: you can't you appreciate the fact that this is serious? I mean, how? If you accept the premise that COVID is going to be with us for years, I mean, h- how long do you want to stay in the basement?
2: Well, you can't stay in the basement forever, but okay. you have to give this vaccine some time. You can't get, just give it a couple months. We don't even know how long this vaccine is going to last.
1: Well, OK, so I mean, you're, you your, your point, point is, fast, so, wait, so, is so, no so your point, Mark, is you, you think that even after people get get the full dose of vaccinations, they should consider to continue to not go out and socialize and not not live their lives.
2: Not at a summer fest or a state fair where your elbows to belly button, everybody's going to be drinking. So there's going to be no mask. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be a free for all and, you know, maybe a church festival where you can separate. But give this thing some time
1: to work. How much is some is there
2: time? Five hundred thousand people out there that that passed
1: away from this. Well, and, and again, I th- thanks to cause I I understand people have passed away. I'm not minimizing that, but at some point in time, do you have to have this balancing that that is out there that says, all right? people, people have been vaccinated. So that they've been told that we I'm, I'm, all I all like I turn on the television all the time. And I see Dr. Fauci saying, hey, once you get these vaccines, at least then these vaccines have this this type of rate and, and you've got this. And we think that by, you know, the beginning of June or whatever, that we're going to have a huge chunk of the population's been vaccinated. Then you have the other chunk of the population that's had COVID's recovered and, and have antibodies. And, and yes, I guess reinfection is possible, but it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in any statistically significant number. So at some point in time, don't people have the right to at least make that decision that they want to go back and start living their lives? And I I will tell you, I saw people that were comfortable doing this over the last several days in outdoor environments. And that's not saying that people don't wear masks or things like that. But yeah, in outdoor environments, you know, sitting on patios, having dinner, having lunch, hanging out at the beach, yeah, I mean, people people were doing that. I mean, is that irresponsible? 855-616-1620. Ralph in Illinois. Ralph, you're on WTMJ.
2: Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. And I really do appreciate the previous caller stance. Um, I understand. I'm not taking it lightly. I never have. My wife and I are both uh, scheduled for our second shot this weekend. But um, I really do think it would be time for uh, the summer events to continue. Um, There could be some uh, ways to mitigate things at the state fair by the Mm -hmm. time state fair rolls around. uh, I think those who want a vaccination will have gotten it. And I see numbers coming down already all over.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and, I guess, um, I, you know, one of the things that I, I struggle with, Ralph, is this idea that we, I, we encourage people to get the vaccines, which is a very, very good thing. But then then there, there's no carrot out there. You, you get the vaccines and then we still say, OK, even though you've had the vaccine now, we, we still don't want you to go out and, and socialize in an outdoor environment for the next six months or nine months or a year. And if that's the case, what's the incentive to get the vaccines? And I'm a guy that believes everybody should get the vaccines.
2: I'm with you on the vaccines. I just um, think possibly, and I know this would be difficult to enforce, but perhaps at the state fair this year, they ask everyone entering the expo building to wear a mask.
1: Right. It, uh, right. And I, I think that's exactly. That could help. Yeah. No, I mean, thanks. Well, like uh, I said, when I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. When I was in Florida, the, for example, the restaurants that, that we went to, it was, would you please wear a mask when you come into the building? And again, I, I don't think we ate inside ever. I can't remember. And then, and then once you get to your table, you take off your mask and, and you're outside. So you're in that outside environment where that it's not impossible to have transmission. I mean, I understand that in the outside environment, but it's less likely. But nevertheless, as more and more people end up getting the vaccines or are getting over this, it, it's just, I'm telling you, there was this incredible return to normalcy to an extent, and, and I think more and more people are going to do that. Now, if you don't feel comfortable going to State Fair or Summerfest or one of these things, well, then then don't go. I, I respect that. But does that mean that they can't have them? Jeff, plenty of people north of Fond du Lac have been comfortable gathering indoors for a while now. Um, let's see, Jeff, this isn't about science or health. It's about money festival organizers need to project attendance, line up the sponsors, etc. Right. And I understand that's why some of the festivals are making the decision to, to cancel because they don't know what the attendance is going to look like. They don't know whether people are going to feel comfortable going to the different events. And so it's like, well, if, if we're only going to have 50% of the capacity, we're not going to necessarily be able to make enough money to make it profitable. And I get that. I'm not criticizing the decision to cancel. I'm just saying And candidly, by the time June, July, August, September rolls around, I can tell you, as somebody who plans to have been vaccinated by then, I'm going to be comfortable going out. I'm going to be comfortable in the outdoor environment. Now, if you say an inside, you know, an inside venue with 25,000 people crammed side by side, that might be a kind of a different experience. But outside? I'm, I'm just flat out not going to, you know, have a problem. Jeff, if you indefinitely avoid people and places you value the most in the name of safety, what is it you're saving? Well, I think that's a fair question as well. I mean, I saw, yeah, Anthony Fauci was on TV. Who's kind of saying, "Well, even if you have these vaccines, I, I'm still recommending that you not necessarily go out to restaurants or, or do these things." And it is kind of a question: if once you've been vaccinated, if they're still telling you you can't hug your grandkids, it's almost like, "Okay, what's what's the point?" <laughs> you know, it's at some point in time. And again, I'm I'm not an anti-vaccine guy. I'm not a the guy that suggests that you know you shouldn 't wear masks in certain settings, I am telling you though that the more people get vaccinated, the more people recover from covid th- this idea that you 're not going to be able to go out and enjoy life and live life. I think more and more people are going to rebel from it, and all I can say is again, personal experience sitting outside on a deck having dinner uh, you know over the couple of the course of the last couple of days, not wearing a mask and being close to other people, I did not feel uncomfortable. Uh, If you do, well, well, don't do it. I, I get it. But I think, again, that's going to be it's going to be tougher and tougher to enforce limitations on the number of people that can socialize, particularly once we get to the summer and once more and more people get vaccinated. Back with more in just a minute.
0: You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: It is going to be interesting. The other day, as a matter of fact, if you follow me on Twitter at Jeff Wagner six twenty, I sent out a link to the story in the Wall Street Journal. Uh the Wall Street Journal and a number of national sources already focusing on the twenty twenty two Senate race. You know, will Ron Johnson run again? Matter of fact, we're gonna be talking to Ron Johnson on Friday at one o'clock. Um and I'm gonna ask him that that question, kinda of push him on it. Um but the the a number of people have announced already or seriously considering running for the Democratic nomination, including Alex Lazry who is the 33-year-old um, son of the owner of the – one of the owners of the Bucks who's announced that, that he wants to run. Now, Lazry's a guy who, who didn't even – had never been in Milwaukee until two thousand eight and one of my favorite quotations is after he here, he said <laughs> after he got here for a little while, he said, The only places I'd ever lived in prior were New York, Philly, and DC, some kind of bigger East Coast cities. And when I came here, I think what surprised me about Milwaukee is the fact that Milwaukee has all the same things as any city, especially any big city has. Imagine that. Yes, we have running water, we have paved sidewalks, we have restaurants. Imagine that, Alex. And in any event, you know, Alex is getting national attention. Because, you know, one of the politicians they compare him to is, of course, Herb Cole. Now, Herb Cole, who, of course, was Wisconsin born and bred, who turned a a relatively small business into a major business with his business acumen. He also had personal wealth. And then he also, you know, you know, transferred that ownership of the Bucks into a successful political career. But the interesting question is, is Alex Lazary another Herb Cole? That will all play out over the course of, I don't know, the next two years. I, I think I know how it's going to be answered, but time will tell. Anyhow, if you want to see the article in the Wall Street Journal, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner620.
0: Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: I won't bury the lead. This is exhibit A as to why we are never, ever, ever, ever going to get crime under control in this community, and it is because we do not... In the criminal justice system, take it seriously. Another story that broke late last week when I, was go- when I was gone. It involves the 15-year-old who was the shooter in that incident at Mayfair Mall last November. Do, do you remember that? And, you know, the helicopters and all the police, somebody fires and crowded May- opens fire and crowded Mayfair Mall. Some people are hit. The, the place is locked down for a day. The shooter runs. All right? Th- this is that kid. All right, now now here's, just to refresh your recollection, here's what happened that day. The, the kid, they still, they won't name him because he's 15 years old. He and an older friend of his uh, named Eric Garcia go into the Mayfair Mall on November 20th. The two of them encounter four other young people that they knew coming down an escalator. Garcia, that's the buddy of the 15-year-old, gets into a fight with one of them and then a bigger scuffle breaks out the 15 year old pulls out a gun and starts firing randomly towards the group so this 15 year old is in mayfair mall he's got a gun with him it is loaded he pulls it out starts starts shooting indiscriminately towards the group 10 rounds towards the group Then seven more at one of the victims after she got up and was trying to run away. He's trying to kill them. One of the people he shot was his buddy Garcia, plus three from the group, and four innocent bystanders in the mall. All right, it is nothing but a miracle. Nothing but a miracle that you didn't have dead bodies all over because of this punk. All right, so then what happens? The 15-year-old runs out of the mall flees, goes to a nearby Best Buy, calls his father, who then had an Uber pick up his son and drive him home. All right. The boy was arrested two days later after a traffic stop in Milwaukee. He's riding in a car with Illinois license plates. With him were a packed bag and the same handgun he used in the mall shooting. All right, so here you have a guy indiscriminately opens fire in the mall, could care less how many people he kills. He runs and and let's let's face it, he's di- he's he's on his way out of town. He, you know, he's got the same gun with him, no expression of remorse at all, nothing. All right? Well, it turns out, no surprise that this is not the kid's first time at the rodeo. Now, here's the way they describe it in the Journal Sentinel. Um apparently, um in August, He was adjudicated delinquent from an earlier incident where he ran from a car that had been pulled over in St. Francis. Police later found a backpack he threw along the route of his failed escape that contained marijuana. The boy admitted to not liking school. All right. Never attended virtual classes last fall at South um, South Division. Apparently, like the woman he was working with. Uh, knew that he had violated all the conditions of his delinquency. I mean, he wasn't going to school or anything like that, wasn't meeting with support services. But she said, nah, I, we just kind of let it go. Right? We we didn't do anything to b- haul him back in, and we didn't see any evidence that he would pull out a gun and be involved in a potential massacre of a whole bunch of people in a mall. So, But that's the background. Now, what we don't know is whether or not the kid had had contact with the juvenile justice, and I say that in quotation marks, system before that, that delinquency thing in August. I mean, and we, we don't know that because these records are sealed, they don't tell us. So we don't know if that thing in August where he runs from the cops was the first time or whether there were other situations before that which led to the delinquency petition. We, we just don't know. So anyhow, you, you have this situation. The DA's office wants to... Try him as an adult because, well, he opened fire in a crowded mall. Well, here's the story. Teen charged in Mayfair Mall shooting will remain in juvenile court. A judge decided Thursday the 15-year-old Milwaukee boy charged with shooting eight people at Mayfair Mall in November should remain in juvenile court. Circuit Judge Brittany Grayson, appointed to the bench in 2019, issued her decision after hearing closing arguments that followed a day-long evidentiary hearing. The teen is charged with eight counts of first-degree reckless injury, punishable by up to 15 years in prison for adults, and being a minor with a gun, a misdemeanor. He'd been in secure detention since his arrest, November 22nd, um, dot, 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 dot Prosecutors argued the seriousness of the crime, etc., etc., etc. The assistant public defender argued his client's personality was that of a child and that a whole array of services available to him in the juvenile system would best help him avoid, avoid repeat behavior. He pulled out a gun and started shooting indiscriminately into a crowded mall. All right. He said the state had not met its burden in moving forward. Grayson, this is the judge, agreed prosecutors had failed to support the assertion that the time and services available in the juvenile system would not adequately protect, protect the boy and the public. All right. 855-616-1620. That is the acunate mortgage talk and text line. If all right, you've got somebody who is already a judge delinquent who is in the system That. Person pulls out a gun, opens fire indiscriminately, shooting, what, more than 15 rounds in a crowded mall and then tries to flee, is ultimately apprehended with the gun on his way, presumably out of town. And the judge says, well, I I think the juvenile system can adequately protect the boy and the public. 855-616-1620, that is the acunate mortgage talk and text line. I'm sorry, stand back. My head is ready to explode. If you want to understand why you're never going to get a handle on juvenile crime in this community and in this state, this is the example we discuss
3: welcome back to jeff wagner on w t m j
1: And you got to understand, it's it's not just the judge who's lost her mind here. That the division of what do they call youth and family services? That they, they apparently said, yeah, we think we think this kid who opened fire in Mayfair Mall, who has already been in the system, and we've obviously failed because he's under supervision, he wasn't going to school or whatever, and, and now he he opens fire. We didn't think we did. We saw no indication. They say, oh no, wait, well, we we think that we think that he can he can stay in the juvenile system, and that this will this will work. They say, well, since he was arrested after opening fire, he seems to be doing just fine in detention. Okay, yeah, right, okay, he's, he's doing fine in detention for a couple months. It's just, this is just this insanity that, that is out there, this idea that you can just pull out a gun at the age of 15 and start shooting, and here, we'll, we'll just judge you delinquent, and then what's going to happen is if you get a judge delinquent, well, well, maybe what we'll do is we'll, we'll put you in, you know, one of our secure detention facilities where you stay for a year or so, and then we're going to put you back out into the community, and then we're going to see what ends up happening. 855-616-1620. Jeff, oh, my God, I really can't believe what you just said. What is wrong with the judge and the system? I think the father should be charged for getting the Uber and not turning him in. Jeff, the system is so broken. It sets kids up for more failure after more pay later um okay well here here's the the problem with this too it is it's one thing to look at the kid right it's another thing though to say what what about society i mean how do you feel if you are one of those people that ends up getting shot in Mayfair mall on november 20th and then you find out well you know he he's just got the mentality of a child so here what we're going to do is we're going to slap him on the wrists and then we're going to turn him loose uh, again at some point in time in the relatively near future by relatively Within the next, you know, two years or so, and, and and then we'll we'll deal with it. Then at some point in time, doesn't society have an interest in saying it? We need to be protected as well. Dick in Sheboygan, Dick, you're on WTMJ.
2: Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, the question I I have is why isn't the parent as a of a juvenile that has committed a crime charged with something as well? because of the seriousness of this situation. And I've got a second question. When, uh, you well, I, I mean, that. I guess the,
1: the, the question is, I mean, the parent, you know, you're not liable for the stuff that your kid does. And I don't know enough about the case to know what – you know what? What the kid told his dad when when dad called the Uber and things like that as to whether. I, so I, I mean, I don't know enough about it, and and it's just very difficult to hold parents responsible for the behavior of, of their kids. But clearly, what, what whatever was going on in that home wasn't working. I think we can both agree with that.
2: Uh, that uh, sounds uh backwards because uh, when I was a child my parents were responsible to the police department for anything that I any trouble that I got into yeah but the second question I have is uh uh uh, I forgot what the second question was. <laughs>
1: okay, that Dick, Dick. Thanks. I, that hap- happens to me all the time. You know, you kind of walk into that room and you say, "Gosh, what was I going in here in the first place?" Or, or where did I put that newspaper that I know I had? But, but again, th- this is I. I I, I was I read this story again while I was on vacation, and I find myself just like like screaming at the computer and, and my wife is like what 's going on and I it just you read through this and it's just it is just so mind boggling that you can get in a situation like this where you can say all right and and again it 's what really struck me about this one is it's not the kid's first time at the rodeo, which, which is not a surprise. I mean, you just I don't think you wake up one day and say, here, I, I'm going to carry a, a loaded handgun into Mayfair Mall and then be willing to pull it out and just shoot indiscriminately. You, you had to figure that the kid had been involved in the juvenile justice system before. He got his chance He got his chance. He was put on supervision. They were watching him, and now you have the people at the Department of Whatever that are saying Youth and Family Service and saying, "Well, during our during our our supervision of him, even though you know he wasn't going to school and things like that, we we saw no indication that he would go out and shoot up a mall." Well, now you know that he can go up and out and shoot up a mall. At some point in time, don't you have to recognize that what you are doing isn't working? And if in fact, If, in fact, this kid stays in the juvenile justice system, as it appears this is what's going to happen, if he stays in the juvenile justice system, gets slapped on the wrist and comes out a year and a half from now or two years from now and gets a gun and goes back into Mayfair and shoots seven or eight people, will the judge be accountable? Will the people at the Department of Youth and Family Services be accountable? No, see, this... It's just a classic example, and, and I pick this example as, as being one of the more extreme things that goes on because, you know, this is a shooting in the middle of a mall, right? But but beyond that, this is the type of stuff that happens on a daily basis. Now, maybe not as extreme as pulling out a gun and shooting, a, and shooting up a mall, but if you have a 15-year-old that they won't even wave into adult court, after shooting eight people and firing fifteen seventeen rounds, however many he did, and then trying to flee, if that doesn 't get you waived into adult court, well is it any surprise that we have such a range of car thefts the people the kids that are stealing cars right and left, the carjackings, the assaultive behavior, the drug dealing, all that other stuff if you can't if you can 't hold people accountable in adult court. For doing this, shooting up a mall, you can imagine what goes on on a daily basis with this just mill that takes these juvenile delinquents who are dangerous and just... Runs them through the system, puts them out on the street again, giving them another opportunity to commit a more serious crime and we do this under the guise of well we, we need we need to you know see everything we can do to try to protect the the boy look, I, I have nothing against rehabilitation, but how many chances do you get when you 're on supervision and you, you go out and you shoot up a mall? what is wrong with this idea that we say okay we're going to give you another chance to do this again um so you know here here is the, the the idea And I don't know what we do about this. I mean, obviously, there needs to be a change in the law. There needs to be, I I think, a reevaluation of some of the decisions that are, are made in the court system. In this case, it's not the DA's office. The DA's office is trying to wave the kid into adult court and do the right thing. They're just getting absolutely no support of it. If you wanted to really do a daily investigation, you would go and you would look at the number of juveniles that get whistled through juvenile court who really are slapped on the wrist and go out and they do Again, the crime they committed or more serious crimes over and over and over and over and over again and are never held accountable. And if you are the victim or I am the victim or your family is the victim, well, it's just too bad because we don't care about you, the victim. We don't care about the people that were shot in the malls. All we care about is, well, gee, can we figure out a way to rehabilitate the 15-year-old shooter who was already on paper at the time they did it? Good luck with that. This week's sponsor for the Jeff Wagner Home Improvement Showcase, presented by our friends at Great Midwest Bank, is CertaPro Pro Painters, the proven experts in painting. Schedule your free estimate today at SertaPro.com. That's Certa with a C. All right. Also, well, I was off. There, there Republicans in the state legislature, cannot agree on what I think is reasonable election reform. Now I'm not talking about the mail-in ballots or things like that, but one of the things that leads to, I think some of the distrust that that people have with the court system is the fact that in Wisconsin, and we've talked about this before, all the absentee ballots that are cast, whether they're the in-person absentee ballots or the ones that come in by mail, all of them are put into envelopes but by law the clerks are not allowed to put the even open the envelopes much less feed the envelopes into ballots until into the machines until after until election day and so what happens is in in a area like milwaukee for example they, they have you know tens of thousands hundred thousand however many ballots that are sitting there they can't start counting them until election day which means At four o'clock in the morning, the next day, they're still counting. And then you get the huge ballot dump. And so people go to bed thinking Scott Walker has been reelected governor. And then Milwaukee comes in and Milwaukee, you know, 300,000 vote margin goes for Tony Evers or whatever. It, It makes no sense. It, the, and so now people are apparently hung up on whether or not the clerk should be able to start feeding the ballots in, opening the ballots the day before the election, or when whether you go to vote early in person. Instead of having to put your ballot in the envelope, you can just put it in the machine like you would do if you went otherwise. You don't tabulate the numbers. You just put the ballots in the machine. Well, I sent out a tweet about this, and my response was, for goodness sakes, it isn't hard. Do both. Let the clerks count the ballots before election day, and let people put their early in-person ballots into the machine themselves. This is not rocket science; it is not hard. And to my Republican friends in the legislature, get your heads collectively out of you know where. the The thing that causes distrust is these again the 400,000 votes suddenly counted. You know, at two o'clock in the morning, it's easy to avoid. The clerks they want to be able to start not tabulating them, just opening the envelope. And starting to put them in the machines early so it doesn't create a huge pinch on election night. That's reasonable. Anything that avoids a 4 a.m. ballot dump is worth a try, and there's really no credible evidence suggested that this is going to lead to some degree of fraud or things like that. You, you need to get people who need to get over it and, and concentrate on where the real fraud issues are, allowing clerks to open ballots and put them into the machines at 9 o'clock the night before an election, as opposed to 9 o'clock on Election Day, that's not going to lead to fraud at all. It will help restore integrity to the system. Get over yourselves, people who are trying to object to this. Back with more in just a minute. Live from the
0: Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Like Melissa was just saying, baseball. Back, weekday baseball, spring training baseball. We've got actually, um, I think, three games this week that start at 2 o'clock. So, Melissa, you're giving me that. So, so I, I get off an hour early. But here's the interesting thing. Today's game, only seven innings. So they've already announced it's only going to be 7 innings I guess because they're trying to protect the pitchers arm. So that means Melissa, you have a um, Wisconsin's afternoon news that probably start around 4:30 or so, maybe. Yeah,
3: we're guessing. It's hard to really tell right. cuz at a second's notice they can be like we're done. Right exactly. And then we have to hop on the air. So we're thinking around 4, maybe a little after. But four. it's good to
1: have baseball back. So um and then the interesting thing about Arizona is they do not go on daylight saving time. And so what happens is for the first two weeks this of spring training, this week and next week, there, the, the games start at 2 o'clock our time. But then once we go on daylight saving time, what happens is the games start at 3 o'clock. So I do the full shows, and you guys have even less of a show. It's kind of how it works out.
3: That's true. So, so. You, you get kind of the front end of it where you have a less show, and then later yeah. on we're, yeah.
1: That's Okay. But, it's but, all good, but, but we'd both do this for free, right? But it's you know, nice so because
3: a baseball's yeah, back. It, it fe- yeah, baseball's back. It feels like a little bit of normalcy, right? Well, it it's is, nice. and, and
1: and I, as I said, I was so we we went to Florida. We left on Wednesday, and uh, there is still this big snow pile in front of my house that I am calling Mount Wagner, where they <laughs> right. just kind of like pushed all the stuff. But I am amazed at how much of the snow really has disappeared now, So
3: from the from the moment you left to the moment you came back, yeah, I was. Were, it was like incredible, right?
1: I, I mean, there there is like whole patches of, of grass that you can see so that the dog doesn't have to climb over them and stuff no it's it was well I, i'm amazed at how much melting there and was. i'm
3: guessing this week we're going to be in the 40s most of the week we'll have a lot more melting this week as well i'm glad i'm glad about I,
1: that. well i am too now of course yesterday when we came back it was i i'd been watching the forecast and it said it was going to be warmer like yeah. it's 37 now but when i think the plane landed it was like 15 degrees or something <laughs> like morning. that so yeah, yeah yesterday so that that's okay all right if you are a regular listener to this program, you know that I rail frequently about the out of control driving that goes on around here and how, you know, if just just driving, for example, our studios are on Capitol Drive here in Milwaukee, just trying to drive Capitol Drive. You take your life into your own hands. It, it is not uncommon just in about a mile to a 2 mile stretch between where our studios are and where you would get on the freeway you you will on any given afternoon if you try to drive it you will see people driving twice the speed limit people blowing through red lights people making u turns you know against the light people it's just it is a, as bad as the 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 road is with regard to you know violations and it it, it it's amazing that, that more people don't die just given the, the The bad driving. We've talked about this before. The reckless stuff and things like that. And I I am an advocate for for traffic enforcement. I, I believe that. I, I think most people are. I think this is a case where when it comes to safety on the roadways, the the elected officials and the people that, that finance police forces are behind the general public or are behind where the general public is. And that I think we want to see more county sheriffs. We want to see more state patrol officers. We want to see more, not less police, you know, devoted to the idea of traffic enforcement. All right. But but then. There's what they're doing in Chicago. Now, Chicago has a series of red light cameras. And maybe you've heard about this, but what they do is they have um they have over a hundred speed cameras that are, are posted around the city. And what they will do is they will send you a citation. So if a car being driven, that comes back to you, in other words, it's got your license plate on it, you know, goes through a red light, you you will get a, a citation in the mail um, saying, okay, we're assuming that you were the driver of this and you're you're going to have to pay and if you don't pay well then your license may be suspended etc if you want to come in and argue that somebody else was driving well you can contest the ticket but then you have to come in and prove that it was someone else that was driving and the technology of these speed cameras is such that oftentimes there there's not really a question as to who was driving or not because they'll they'll capture a picture of the person who was behind them the, behind the uh wheel speed cameras are are controversial because some people think, well, that it's just not fair to pull people over. You should have a cop running radar. I don't necessarily have as much of a problem with that as some people do. But here's what they're doing in Chicago. Starting yesterday, the city is preparing to start ticketing people for going as little as six miles an hour under over the posted speed limit. Alright, now they started a grace, they started doing this in January, but they've had a grace period. And so far they've sent out like 53,000 notices. But, but here's the deal. If you are caught by a speed camera going between six and nine miles over the speed limit, you are going to receive a $35 ticket. Six miles an hour over the speed limit. Um, then it, it goes up there. Under the rules they have now, in order to get that thirty-five mile an hour ticket, you have to that thirty-five buck ticket, you have to be going at least eleven miles over the speed limit, and then you know it, it goes up from there. But they're gonna be sending out tickets to people for six to nine miles over the speed limit. Our number, eight five five, six one six, one six twenty. That is the ACUNET Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And by the way, the mayor pretty much clearly admits that she's doing this as a way to try to generate revenue. Eight five five 616 1620 I'm all in favor of vigorous traffic enforcement, but I want to see law enforcement concentrate on the people that are driving recklessly. I don't care about the person that's driving 36 in the 35, 30 mile an hour zone. I care about the person who blows through the red light at 70 in the 30 mile an hour zone. And the frustrating thing to me is you you know that even if those people get the ticket in the mail, they're just going to wad it up and they're going to throw it away and there's no way they're going to pay it anyways. But what about this? Should Milwaukee adopt something like this? Should surrounding communities adopt something like this? Cameras that trace your speed, number one, but then send out tickets for what I'm going to describe as minor infractions. Six or seven miles over the speed limit, going thirty six in that thirty mile an hour zone and not otherwise causing a problem eight five five six one six one six twenty i 'm sorry i don 't think that's where resources should be spent. I think it's one thing to Enforce traffic laws, it's another to try to use it as a revenue generator and ticketing people for six miles an hour over the speed limit. That's not about safety, that's about trying to bring in dough. 855 616 1620. We discuss.
0: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Every 15 minutes, a baby is born with a congenital heart defect. All this month, please join WTMJ's Greg Matzik as he teams up with the Children's Heart Foundation to help advance the diagnosis, treatment, and prevention of congenital heart defects. To find out how you can help, go to WTMJ.com or text the word CARES to the Acunet Mortgage Talk text line at 855-616-1620. WTMJ CARES, powered by Watry Industries and Premier Aluminum, sponsored by Professional Construction, Inc. Let's start with Mike on the northwest side. Hi, Mike.
0: Hi, good afternoon, Jeff.
1: Okay, tickets for uh, my, six miles gosh, over the limit.
0: Yeah, that's ridiculous. I should, uh, you know, call, contact and pull over people i doing 50 miles over and running stoplights and red lights, not six miles on, uh, over the speed limit. Who doesn't do that? You could drive around all day. My question is, do they assign points for this? You could drive around all day and come home and find out you lost your license. You're uninsurable. You might even lose your home insurance. Okay,
1: well, the, the flip side, Mike, though, is, I mean, and I'm having some text here, people are saying, okay, well, speed limits are speed limits. What, what's the problem? If, if the speed limit is 30 and you're going 35, don't you deserve to get a ticket?
0: No, you don't. Okay. It's a reasonable amount because uh, there was a thing where if everyone did 55 on the freeway in all three lanes, there'd be a, such a traffic jam that there'd be more accidents than anything else.
1: Yeah. No, that's, I mean, see, I, I, I to, right. I, I see. I agree. And look, and I, I understand well, what part of speeding don't you get? But, but at the same time, you have to have a, a degree of reasonableness, given the fact that you have limited resources that that are out there. And I think, given the fact that you have limited resources, what you want to do is you want to concentrate on on the problems that are there. And again, as I was saying earlier, in Chicago, they, they make no bones about this is about revenue. there, there is not a significant argument that you can make saying driving 35, 36 in the 30-mile-an-hour zone is going to significantly lead to an increase in in traffic accidents or collisions or hazards that they don't even make that argument it's not like you know going 50 in the 30 mile an hour zone it's all about trying to generate revenue and i guess that's the question mike makes an interesting point you know you drive around the city and i guess i don't know about you but it's it's really easy you're moving with the flow of traffic and all of a sudden you look and you say "Oh it's 25 i was going i was going 31 all right do you really want to have a ticket every time that you do that i mean and and does that make things any safer, my argument would be, no, I have always objected to using law enforcement as a way to generate revenue. Now, if you're talking about going after the reckless driving, the people running the red lights, that's fine. But let's also be honest about the other thing, too. Who, who's going to pay this? The, the bad drivers, the, the ones that are going 30 and 40 miles an hour over the limit, they get this red light camera. You know, like I say, they bundle up the ticket and throw it away. Anyhow, th- this isn't going to get them off the road. That's why you need, I think, more police officers that are out there. And you need going back to what we were talking about earlier. You need judges who are willing to hold people accountable and take away cars and really impose penalties for people who are driving out on the roads and, and endangering us. And I guess I I don't feel endangered by the person going 31 in the 25 mile an hour zone to the point that I think everybody should get a ticket for doing that and simply try to bail out the poor financial situation in Chicago. 855-616-1620, Douglas in Bayview. Hi Douglas.
2: Hey, how are you doing? I think that should be everywhere, all around Milwaukee. I mean, yeah, the the little bit over is a little ridiculous if they're going to come after you for that. But they really got to start doing something about the speeders. I worked over on Capital and Titonia. Yep. Wow. I almost got hit quite a few times, even delivering stuff for the company. Yep. And I, I used to tell them, can I get a camera in my car, in the truck? And they said, Why? Because someone's going to kill me, and I just want you to catch them when they kill me. When you pull the the camera out of my car,
1: right? Well, Douglas, so, no, see, Douglas, let me let me again make my position clear. I'm not against speed cameras. If you go back and listen to shows that I've done over the years, I I and I understand some people have have issues with like constitutional stuff. I I, I don't. I'm not against speed cameras. I, I'm not. I, matter of fact, I would support more speed cameras around Milwaukee. Uh, but or, but the, the issue is I'm what i am objecting to is trying to get into a situation where you're sending tickets to people for six miles an hour over the speed limit you know in most areas what they're doing is they're trying to catch it for the people who blow the red lights the people that are driving in that reckless fashion but even then again it's very very difficult to do that because uh, you, you send somebody a ticket they don't care they and given the number of cars that are out there with a um whether people driving without licenses or things like that to begin with or license plates it it's only you can only do so much, but if you want to have speed cameras, set it for. 10 miles an hour over the limit. You're going 11 miles an hour over the limit, fine. But six miles, is that reasonable and is it workable? Because I'll tell you something, that's one of the days that you have a whole bunch of lawyers switch to traffic defense and demand trial for every person that's gone through a, a light at six miles an hour over the limit. They say to the state, come in and prove this, you know, and then there'll be experts that challenge, you know, how accurate the speed cameras are. They, they will make those challenges and you're going to have the court system completely and total tied up on these small mickey mouse sort of things where i want them going after again the people that are driving 20 miles an hour over the limit 855-616-1620 let's talk to um uh, fritz in milwaukee fritz you're on wtmj Hey, good morning fritz. i'm sorry sure hi what do you think
2: well i what doesn't I, I drive in milwaukee all the time i'm a sales guy so i drive up sherman boulevard is just terrible but when when you're driving, most of these people that are cutting into the right turning lane and then passing you during a red light, they don't have a license plate, probably yep. don't have a license, probably don't have insurance. What is that camera going to do for that? If it comes down to it and they're going to give a six-mile-an-hour ticket, those tickets are going to the, the good citizens who would pay it yep. and actually have a license plate on their car. If it's going to come to that, I'm going to take my license plate off, <laughs> and I'm going to just drive as fast as I want, how I want, and then when I get caught, I'm just gonna put my plate on and say, oh, I forgot my plate. Yeah, I, well, yeah, I was just, I, I- You're not gonna catch me in all the video.
1: Well, I think- you know, You're probably gonna catch me when you pull me over. Right, again, I see, I think what you wanna do, thanks, Nicole, you, you wanna, we, we wanna spend our resource. You, you, I don't believe you should use law enforcement as a revenue generator. I you believe you should use law enforcement as a way of holding criminals accountable and uh, trying to provide public safety. That's not what this is about. This is about how can we get into people's pockets. Here's a texture that makes an interesting point, connecting the dots. Jeff, so let me understand this. Okay, underage kids that steal a car, they don't get fined for the theft or held accountable, but I might get a speeding ticket for going six miles an hour over the limit. Yeah, it's that kind of uh, it's that kind of world that, that's sort of out there. And again, I you. you I'm not anti-speed cameras. I I think you have to figure out how to use them, and I don't fault how they've used them in Chicago up to this point, but they've decided they want to get into your pocket, they want to get more revenue, and that's what they're doing. All right, let's take a quick break. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. (laughs) You, know, you always wonder how much people are willing to to put up with the I, I sent out another again, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner, 620. But while I was on vacation, I sent out another note the, the whole thing, it's a new boss, old boss, same, same old thing the, the riots are still going on in Portland, Oregon. You know, it doesn't matter whether it was Donald Trump or Joe Biden that's a president. Over the weekend, you, you had, again, widespread destruction in downtown Portland. People smashing windows, spray painting businesses. The downtown merchants, the headline I'm at looking at, it, they're, they're frustrated because they, they can't do business. You know, they, they boarded up their windows. They never know when another riot is going to break out. And this isn't this isn't conservative activists. These are these direct action groups who don't like immigration and the immigration people and they don't like joe biden they're nothing but anarchists and they're allowed to operate day after day after day at some point in time you do have to wonder what? when will a community say enough is enough? And when will a community start saying, okay, you, you go out into the streets and you got a brick in your hand or whatever, we're going to arrest you and we're going to put you in prison and you're going to stay there for two or three years. Now, it doesn't mean that you're not going to get out of prison and throw another brick, but at least it means that you won't have a chance to throw that brick for a couple years. At some point in time, don't we get a chance to say enough is enough? Just asking. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. One final thought on what we were just discussing. Somebody says, well, at least, you know what, why don't you be honest then? If you think you want more law enforcement officers to police the streets, why don't you just admit then that you need to raise property taxes? Well, first of all, I I don't necessarily acknowledge that because... I think, first of all, maybe you can look at a lot of the spending that goes on by government and find all sorts of spending that you could cut and, again, use it for more productive things, like, again, providing public safety on the streets. But regardless, I think just like the schools, if you gave people the choice to say, "Okay, are we willing to you know, pay a fee or raise taxes if we know that that money is going to be dedicated to increasing public safety, and we we also know that there's going to be some way that the court systems are going to be held accountable for enforcing the laws instead of just a catch and release thing. I think people would support it. I, I know I I would. I think a lot of other people would as well. Problem is that's not how it necessarily works. And again, one of the frustrations law enforcement people will tell you, and we've discussed that on multiple occasions in this program. What happens is even if you've got the laws, you've got prosecutors or judges who just simply won't enforce the laws and you have a guy that gets caught driving or a gal that gets caught driving eight nine ten times without a valid driver's license and they continue to do it over and over again and there's no consequences for that at all until they finally blow through a red light and hit and kill somebody and then at that point in time oh how could this happen? Well should have been stopped a long time before all right love this story. there is a huge push. Again, to... Try to get us out of our cars. You know, Ford says that they're going to stop making electric car. They're going to stop making gasoline powered cars by 2035. We've done topics on this. My response is, yeah, good luck with that. Um, Volvo announced, I believe today that they don't intend to make, uh, gasoline powered cars by 2030. So they, they think they're going to be out of the market in the next 10 years. As I have pointed out and said repeatedly, and matter of fact, I did the other day, I sent out a tweet about this. There, there's, Right now, that is a pipe dream because the electric infrastructure is just not set up. To, to deal with that. There's not enough charging stations around. And the, the power for these charging stations, even if you had them, it has to come from somewhere. And we're not equipped to generate that as well. You, you have people. I mean, you, you're, you're not going to power your cars on turbine, or on wind turbines or on solar. So what are you going to do? Are you going to use coal? Well, we can't use coal. You're going to use natural gas. Oh, no, we can't build the pipelines to transport that. Are you going to use nuclear? Oh, my gosh. You, you haven't built a nuclear plant in this country in decades. So explain to me how you're going to have this infrastructure that is going to support all these electric cars. And the answer is you're not. And I think that's the goal of some people who don't want you to drive cars. They they don't want you to have the option of being able to get in your car. They want to force you into some form of public transportation. And the way to do it is to make it either too expensive or impossible for you to, again, own the car and operate the car, which brings us to a community in California, Petaluma, California, which is in kind of the Napa Valley area. They are the first community in the country to do this. But my prediction is they are not going to be the last. And as a matter of fact, I could easily see some of our friends in Dane County thinking this would be a good idea. Petaluma, California has become the first city in the United States to ban new gasoline stations, to ban new gas pumps. It is illegal now for A gas station to come in and start up in Petaloma, California. They have decided they have enough gas stations, don't need any more gas stations, and we're not going to need gasoline or much gasoline in the next 10 to 15 years. So why make it easy for people to get gas? So despite whatever the market studies might show, if my producer grew and I decide, hey, you know, this, this community is growing and we have an opportunity, we want to bring quick a uh, uh, quick trip to Petaloma, California. The community, the powers that be, the politicians say, nope, you're not going to be allowed to open another gas station. All right. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident mortgage talk and text line. I don't think government has any business telling the private sector what they can and cannot do with regard to the type of business they can operate. These aren't bars that have to be regulated. These aren't head shops. These are gas stations. And if the market justifies more gas stations, should government be able to do it? Would you like to see the city of Milwaukee? Would you like to see Dane County? Would you like to see Fond du Lac? Would you like to see Sheboygan come in and say, we've decided we're not going to, we don't need any more gasoline stations, so we're not going to allow any more to open. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. My answer is no. Let the free market decide. We discuss in a moment.
0: You're listening to Jeff
1: Wagner on WTMJ. See, here's the organization that you have to remember because right now, it's had a little bit of success in some of the the, the crazy small communities, particularly on the West Coast. But it it's coming. It's going to be coming for Wisconsin. Mark my words. It's called it's called Congas, and its co- coalition. Opposing new gas stations. Get it, CONGS. Um, and again, there's an A in there, but they called Congress. And, and the idea is, this group believes that you shouldn't be allowed to operate a car that operates on fossil fuels. And and what's the easiest way to do that? Well, it's to make it impossible for you to find a place to fill up your car with gasoline, right? Because then if if there's no gas that's out there, well, you're going to have no choice. Doesn't matter if we're awash in gasoline. Doesn't matter if it's cheaper to use the gasoline than it is to use the electric stuff. Doesn't mean if the electric chargers aren't going to be feasible for the next couple decades, if that, in fact, is the case. The idea is, let's force people out of their fossil fuel cars let's do away with the internal combustion engine so in this one community in california and this it's the first but there's all sorts of other ones that are out there that they're pushing for it no new gas stations are allowed you cannot build a new gas station as a gas station closes you cannot replace that gas station. So when it says no new gas stations, it means no new gas stations. Existing gas stations are not allowed to add gas pumps, not allowed to add gas pumps. So the, the idea is that they've decided, and they're very clear about it, they've decided, well, we just have enough gasoline stations. It, and this is, of course, the city fathers that have made this decision. My point is, I think it should be up to the community and to the businesses if they have enough gas stations. And if I decide, like I say, I wanna bring a Quick Trip store, and I got approval from Quick Trip, and I think there's enough market to support it, why shouldn't I be allowed to build a, a gas station? And why should the county or the city Why should they be telling me that I can't add gas pumps or that I I can't sell gasoline? That is just absolutely absurd. Now, if the people don't want to support this, that's all well and good, and then I'm going to go out of business. But what's the other thing that's going to happen? All right, as the number of gasoline stations close, as the options that you have go down, What's going to happen inevitably? Well, the supply of gas, the cost of gas is going to go up. It's a simple supply and demand thing. You've got the demand for gas. You have five gas stations instead of 16. They are going to be busier. What happens is they're going to raise their prices. But, of course, that's what they know is going to happen. That's what these congas, these groups, want to have happen. What they want to do is they want to make it so expensive that you can't drive, you know, your – your car, um, so that's the idea. Now, I've got people that are saying, well, this this is a great idea because, you know, people are gonna wanna get into electric cars. Okay, um, maybe, maybe, at some point in time, Maybe the, gas, the cost of gasoline will be so great that it just won't make any sense, and the electric will be cheaper. And maybe they'll work out all the bugs. And we've talked about this before. Maybe they'll figure out how to improve the the length, make the make the cars, the batteries go faster have a faster recharging. Maybe they'll figure out ways to make the batteries last longer. Maybe the infrastructure will pop up that you have, you know, a lot of these battery charging places. But I mean, let's, let's face it. If you're driving from Milwaukee, Wisconsin to Naples, Florida, that's about 1400 miles, right? So let's say in your car or your vehicle, you can get Four or five hundred miles, uh, um, you can get, let's say, 350, 400 miles on a tank of gas. Okay, fine. So you drive that 400 miles, you pull off, it takes you, you know, five to ten minutes, including using the bathroom and getting yourself a cup of coffee or soda to fill up your tank, get in the car, and then you're on the road again. If it takes you, even assuming you can find an electric charger, if it takes you, what, I don't know, an hour, two hours, three hours to charge that battery. What are you going to be doing for those two or three hours? It's just not practical. Now, maybe they'll be able to build the infrastructure. Maybe they'll figure out how to power the infrastructure. Maybe they'll figure out a way to, again, get the charging so quickly that people don't have to sit around and and twiddle their thumbs for hours. Maybe that's going to be the future, but that's not right now. And you certainly can't plan on that. And the idea of these folks who are going to try to force us out of our cars. Good luck with that. I understand that Ford says that they're not going to be making these cars by 2035. Right. Well, I'll, I'll believe that when I see it. Unless Ford wants to go out of business, Ford is going to be making cars that people will buy. Now, maybe in the course of the next 14 years, maybe all these problems will have been solved and maybe electric cars will be the greatest thing since canned beer and maybe there won't be a problem. I'm just not betting on it. And again, I know people who I have a dear friend who has a Tesla, just loves it, but he uses his Tesla to to drive around town. He would never ever consider taking that Tesla on any sort of long road trip because of all these different variables. 10 years from now, Okay, maybe that's going to be um switched off. Jeff, yeah, let's go to the electric cars so when the power grid goes down, like it did in Texas, everybody's going to be stuck at home. Well, you no, know, you're not going to be stuck at home. You're going to be dependent on public transportation, which is what this is all about. It's not just electric cars, but it's forcing people out of their vehicles and forcing them into some sort of public transportation. Um yeah that's the the situation. um The other thing that this is going to do in limiting gas stations is drive up the rates of crime at gas stations. Some places still don't require you to pay before you pump those uh, places will experience more gas and go robberies as a result of high gas prices. Um, Jeff, what's with this county or community in California not allowing gas stations to be built? What's going to happen when the electric supplier cuts off power because of high wind warnings due to fire hazards? Well, I can tell you what's going to happen. You're not going to be able to charge your cars. So even if you want to try to evacuate, you're not going to be able to get out. And again, whenever I do this, I get these comments about, well, you know, this is just the hey boomer type of thing. No, this is I'm grounded in reality and I'm a free market guy. There will be a point in time when the... Ability and infrastructure may exist for electric cars. And I say may exist because I don't know how you're gonna power it. I I really don't because you're in this country, we've got all these people, we we don't like the gas pipelines. So okay, that that rules out natural gas. And we don't like coal because it's dirty and it pollutes. And we don't like nuclear because well, it's nuclear. Well, all right, if you think you're going to power your home and power your cars based on, on wind turbines and solar, my my only advice to you is make sure you, you know, again, roll your shoulder when you fall off the turnip truck, because it's, it's just not going to happen in this sort of real world that's out there. Solar and wind is going to be a niche. Maybe it's going to be a growing niche, but it's going to be a niche. And again... I You've got to figure out a way to be realistic. And I understand we've got all these pie-in-the-sky ideas about things, but you know, give me a break. And having the government tell businesses that they cannot operate, to me, is just not the way to do it. But you heard it here. What happened in California, they're going to try to do it all over the country. Don't be surprised if they try to do it in Milwaukee. Don't be surprised if they try to do it in Madison. Brewers baseball coming up in about five minutes. Here's a text, Jeff. I live in Manitowoc County. Years ago, they decided no more liquor licenses, so anyone who had one could sell it prices on these skyrocket, The th- same thing will happen there. The price will go up on the small stations and the big guy will buy them, shut them down and assume the pump count. Same thing happens with farmers. Buy out the little guy so they can add on. Well, I mean, I, again, I think that's, that's one of the realities and that's one of the perhaps unintended consequences that goes on. If you say you can't have more of something, okay, we're going to limit the number of Taxicabs. You know, this played out with the taxicab industry before Uber. We're gonna limit the number of taxicab licenses. We're gonna say there's only gonna be two hundred taxicabs in a particular community. Well what happens is the people that have the taxicab licenses, the value of those licenses then go up. So they can charge outrageous rates to people who want to try to get in and, and run a taxicab. Whereas again, I am a I'm a free market guy. It's like, hey, if if you've got four hundred people that want to drive taxicabs in a city, and they're willing to to pay a, a fee, and they can prove that they've got the insurance. Why why not let them do it? And inevitably, some will fail. That's the free market concept. There might not be enough business to support four hundred taxis. All right, but but so what? I mean that that's what ends up happening. Then then people say, okay, there's not enough business to make this work, so I'm going to move on to something else. That's that's the way the free market should work but please again understand this isn't about a free market stuff this is about the people the environmentalists who've decided internal combustion engines bad furnaces that keep people who keep their house at the at 70 when it's 20 degrees outside you are bad what we want to do is we want to drive up the price of Uh, different fossil fuels to make it so that people just decide, well, Hey, you know what? Let's leave it at 50 in the house and let's get through the winters like that. Well, good luck with that. Okay. We've got brewers baseball coming up in just a little bit. I um, didn't get to one of the topics that I wanted to discuss, but it's probably just as well. We'll save it for tomorrow because a number of the things that we've talked about today have my head on the verge of exploding. And this is just the the latest example of that. Um, it's At some point in time, you do wonder if there's going to be any limits on the cancel culture. And over the last couple days, the cancel culture has just gone after Mr. Potato Head. The Mr. Potato Head brand has now gone gender neutral. How can Mr. Potato Head be gender neutral? We will discuss that tomorrow. And the whole story about Dr. Seuss. Um, Dr. Seuss, big time liberal big-time environmentalist, but now Dr. Seuss finds himself under all sorts of criticism because, well, in certain respects, he was a product of his time. He didn't have enough people of color depicted in his books. He didn't have enough um, women depicted in his books. And some of the drawings he used, well, they were arguably inappropriate. So what do we have to do? Cancel Dr. Seuss. We'll talk about it tomorrow.